continue to move along. We're in uh, the, the 47th lesson, if you can believe that. It's already been 47 lessons. Uh, we didn't know how long it would take, but evidently it's going to take more than 47 lessons uh, to get through our study. It's called the grand scheme of things, and we're seeing how really all of Scripture uh, is the same account, the same uh, story of our Savior Jesus Christ. And so it's not a bunch of individual things that, that piece together. It's actually one big account starting in Genesis, going all the way to the book of Revelation that's revealing to us the truth of our gospel, the truth of our Savior Jesus. And so in each study, we're able to see Christ in, in that study. Tonight we're moving. We've just finished up uh, six weeks on the Psalms, uh, the Hebrew songbook. Tonight we're going to move to a study in the Proverbs. We're going to spend this week and I believe four more uh, studying this section of the Proverbs. Our lesson tonight is entitled, Above All, Get Wisdom. Uh, our key verses tonight are found in Proverbs chapter 4, verses 4 through 8. I'm going to read those to start off. Key verses, Proverbs chapter 4, verses 4 through 8. Then he taught me and said to me, let your heart hold fast my words, keep my commandments, and live. Acquire wisdom, acquire understanding. Do not forget nor turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her, and she will guard you. Love her, and she will watch over you. The beginning of wisdom is acquire wisdom, and with all your acquiring, get understanding. Prize her, and she will exalt you. She will honor you if you embrace her. Those are our key verses. We're going to look at pieces of that, some other verses tonight as well. The key point tonight is this. God in his great grace makes available to us his perfect, valuable, and timeless wisdom. And so God, in his grace, makes available to us his perfect wisdom, uh, his timely wisdom, his valuable wisdom. And the truth is this, we neglect it to our own peril. Uh, we're going to see God is the only one who has true, perfect, timeless wisdom. And for some reason, whenever we decide we do not need it, or, or we're not going to chase after it or acquire it, or if we're just for some reason not going to use it, uh, we're the ones that pay for that. So God gives it to us, uh, but it's no skin off his nose. Uh, it, it is to our peril if we say, you know what, I'm not interested in that. I'm not going to live in obedience to that. Now here's the thing setting up this lesson. Think about today, and it's weird how it seems to match uh, every time we study God's word. Today, as never before, believers need God's wisdom. Now, the world needs God. They need Christ, and then they need Christ's wisdom. But for believers, we need God's wisdom. We actually do live in an age. Now, we've heard this said probably all of our lives, but we're actually living in an age when wrong is proclaimed as right. And our government's doing it, and churches are doing it, and people are doing it. Uh, wrong is proclaimed as right. And right is celebrated uh, as wrong. This is the right thing. And people say that's wrong and, and, and attack that thing. That is actually our day. It's actually very common. We could probably go around and, and see all sorts of instances of that. Our world is mixed up. It is crazy. And it is proclaiming the wrong things as the right things and vice versa. The other part of that is this. And our world is empty of answers. 
Now, if you think about it, maybe the school board will get an answer. Maybe, maybe the government will get an answer. Maybe these folks over there are thinking. Maybe this political party will come up with an answer. Our world is proving it's absolutely empty of answers. Now, here's something bigger than that. It's starting to actually reveal it's not only empty of answers, it's empty of straight logic. That's, that's not logical. That doesn't make any sense. Our world's not even finding good answers. We're not even settling on good logic. That is the world we're living in. Well, the question becomes then, how do we as believers proceed in that type of world? What do you do in that type of world? Now, here's a couple things. You can fight against it. You can go out and attack folks that disagree. Or you can hold up signs. You could, you could talk to folks and you can fight against it that way. Um, you, could, you could participate in it and say, well, you know, I'm just going to throw a blind eye to it. It doesn't matter for me. I know the truth. Uh, or you could just go to sleep and say, well, I'm not going to worry about it. Sometimes I wake up and think, you know, the best thing today would just be ignore all this and pretend that it's not happening. And my world's pretty good where I'm at, and I don't need this. I don't need this nonsense. And you could withdraw. Well, what do we do? How far do we carry it? Do we just withdraw? Do we attack it? Uh, what are we to do as believers? Now, here's the scariest thing. Here's the worst thing. Worst of all is the generation that's growing up in that. That, that to me, is the scariest thing. Uh, our, our 12-year-olds and 14-year-olds and 17-year-olds, 20-year-olds, those that are growing up in this, uh, that, that, that scares me more than anything. This world and, and our culture has given them a skewed perception of the truth, really a clouded perception of the truth. Um, it, it was a, about a year ago or so, my, my daughter played on a tennis team that played another tennis team that their number one girl was actually a guy and was beating the putty out of the girls. And to me, that's a no-brainer. That's an easy, easy thing. And, and, and after it was over, they all went to lunch, not with that team, but their team went to lunch and they were going to travel back to Dallas and, and she said there was a discussion and they were talking about um, what had happened. And it's weird, of that generation, we would say, that's crazy, that's wrong, that's easy. They would say, well, who are we to tell them? Well, who are we to say that what they think is not true? Well, who are we to, to hurt their feelings? Well, that's, <laughs> those are some kids that are, that are supposed to be thinking correctly. And that's what our world is producing. And if you think it's crazy now, you tack on 10 years and let those folks be in our government, be in places where they make decisions. The scariest thing are, are the kids that are growing up in, in uh, the midst of that. They are mixed up. Their basis is, is a wreck, is a mess. And so here's the truth. We need God's wisdom. We need God's wisdom. Now that sounds like, hey, that's what the preacher ought to say. That's a, a Sunday school answer. But the truth is, look around. We need God's wisdom. Well, the good news is, God not only gives it to us, but he does a couple of things. One of the things that he does is he promises that it will bear fruit if we will live according to it. Um, I, don't, I don't know many other things or really any other thing that you could say, if you do this, this will happen. It seems there's always an exception to the rule. For me, there's always a, a wrench in the works, something doesn't go right. But I want to tell you this, God tells us if we will live According to his wisdom, he will bless it, and it will be profitable for us. 
I, I think about we go through life and we think, I want to be blessed of God. I want to be blessed of God. Um, I want to I want to live in the best way possible. I want to avoid problems and chaos and, and nuttiness. Uh, well, the, the truth is this. God gives us his wisdom, but he also promises us if we will live according to his wisdom, if we will walk in obedience, listening to his wisdom, it will bear fruit. Uh, th- that's an awesome thing. You want to be blessed? Uh, you want to avoid trouble and, and, and trials and, and craziness? Uh, live according to the word of God, and God will bless those that walk in obedience. So tonight, we start a section. We've left the Psalms. We're moving to the, to the Proverbs we start this section. Tonight is really an introduction uh, to the lessons that we're going to have that follow this. If you have your worksheet tonight, the first thing we see, the giver of wisdom. The giver of wisdom. For believers, uh, this is the critical point, and it's the point we need to know, and then we need to be quick to fall back to. Uh, the, the, the critical point is this. Our wisdom comes from God. Our wisdom comes from God. We ought not be ashamed of that. We ought not be leery of that. Uh, We ought to be confident in that. Our wisdom comes from God. In fact, any true wisdom has to come from God. Now, you might ask the question, well, why, why is that the critical point? Why is that such a big stand that we need to take? Well, I want you to think about this. The reason we go to God for wisdom and the reason God possesses all wisdom is that he is the eternal creator of all things. Now, I think I talked about that Sunday night, um, the eternal creator of all things. How many things go back to the fact that God is the eternal creator of all things? Now, because of that, all wisdom is possessed by him. Now, think about that for a second. How something came about how are we created? How is the world created? How are the stars in the sky? How things came about is known by God. Why? He's the eternal creator. So you want to know how things came about? We go to our eternal God. How something best operates. What is the best way for our planet to run? What is the best way for your home to run? What is the best way for our church to run? Well, the creator of those things would know the best way for those things to operate. So guess what? Because he's the eternal creator, he not just knows where it comes from, he knows the best way uh, for it to operate. The purpose, the function, and the utility of all things is set by God. What the sun does has been determined by God. What what a rain does has been been determined by God. Your purpose, your function is also set by God. Now, here's something on the flip side of that, and also... What will result in failure is also known by God. He creates all things. He knows about all things. He knows the function for all things. And so he also knows if you don't do these things, this thing's going to fail. It's not operating as he intended. And so God, the eternal creator of all things, possesses all wisdom, perfect wisdom, infinite wisdom, timeless, timely wisdom. Anybody else is just speculating. And so experts, um, experts in a field, whatever you want to say, they're just speculating. I, you know, I can come and I've studied medicine for this many years and I've practiced medicine for this many years. 
You know what? As, as fine as they may have been educated, they're still just speculating. Uh, it, it's not set in stone. That goes for all things. There's only one who has infinite wisdom, trustworthy wisdom, that we can be confident in. It's not an expert. It is God himself. Now, here's the crazy thing. He wants us to have that wisdom. And I, I think that's a, that's a tremendous thing. He possesses perfect wisdom. He has perfect wisdom. But he wants us to have that wisdom. He tells us where wisdom is found. He doesn't hide it from us. He doesn't say, well, when you've been in church six years, you're ready for this much wisdom. And when you've been here 12 years, you're ready for this much wisdom. He actually gives us his wisdom. He tells us the blessing that it is to use his wisdom. He also warns us of the danger of the turmoil that will come when we neglect his wisdom. Then, so he wants us to have it. He doesn't hide it from us. He tells us its benefit. He goes to great lengths that we would have his wisdom. He preserves his word. He tells us where to find it. Uh, in, in the New Testament book of James, he even says, if you want wisdom, ask for wisdom. Sometimes I think about that. Man, I'd like to know this piece of wisdom. And I go, God said, if you need wisdom, ask for wisdom. So he goes to great lengths that we would have his wisdom. God is the giver of wisdom. Now I want you to think, we're going to move to the next point in a second, but I want you to think about that for a second. God possesses, has wisdom. He's also the giver of wisdom. Now just that truth, what does that say? God is the giver of wisdom. It means he is gracious. It means he is good. It it means he has our, our best intention at heart. God is the giver of wisdom. I think about this in the course of life, and I think about people that I know. And and think about people you know. Do you know people who make great decisions? And and there's just something, they're godly people and they're good people, but there's just something about when you watch them, they make good decisions. And that was a good decision. And And you go and you watch over years. Man, that was a great decision. That was a hard decision, but that was a great decision. And you ever wonder, well, what do they have? How do they do that? Man, it looks like their home is in order. It looks like their their business is in order. It looks like their personal life is in order. What in the world's going on with them? How do they do that? Then, and I always say this, don't look at anybody and don't point at them. Do you know people who make terrible decisions? And, I, and if you watch them, it's a terrible decision. If they make a decision, it's a terrible decision. And, and if you were to follow around them, you'd be like, that's a train wreck, that's a train wreck. Uh, years ago, we used, to, we used to have a neighbor and we would say, whatever that person does, do the opposite because it's not going to work. There's people that they, they make terrible decisions. Listen, God gives us his wisdom and he wants us to have his wisdom. And that's a very telling thing about our God. All right, so first thing is this. God is the giver of wisdom. All right, I think we need to be confident and be able to say, well, who are you going to go with? I'm going to go with the infinite giver of wisdom. Well, whose side are you going to go on? Are there, are there more? I, I still laugh. Yale Medical School. More than two genders. I'm going to go with the giver of wisdom. You just, you just keep going in line. Who are you going to go with? I'm going to go with the infinite creator God possessing all wisdom. I'm going to go with the giver of wisdom. 
All right, second thing is this, the value of wisdom. The value of wisdom. This is the next thing on your worksheet. This is a big thing. Today, we're impressed by many things. Today, we work for and we chase after many things. Uh, think about that. Some folks are burning, working to get a certain level of education. Some are burning and they're working to get a certain level of wealth. Some are, are grinding to get to a certain neighborhood. Uh, folks are, are chasing, if I could get this career, uh, folks are chasing after a whole bunch of things. Here's what I notice. Uh, the intensity that we seek after these things reflects the value that we place on them. Um, you know, I, I can think about certain things that I really don't care too much about. I don't, I don't care too much about that thing. And so if it falls in my lap, I might take some of that, but I'm not going to go out of my way to go chase that down. And that reflects my value of that. There's other things that, hey, if that's a potential thing, I'm going to get up early and I'm going to stay up late and I'm going to chase after that thing. The intensity that you chase after these things reflects the value that we place on them. Um, think about this, and I, it's weird as time goes by. You will live your life, and you will have a certain amount of hours, and you will use those to acquire certain things. And you'll burn up a whole lot of hours and a whole lot of time, and you will let other things go to have those things. It may be time spent with your kids. It may be time that you spent in your hobby or time doing things that you should have been doing, but you will, you will burn up your hours, you'll let other things go to acquire this thing. It, it may be a thing, it may be a lifestyle, it may be money, it may be education. That's because for some reason you valued that thing. Here's the question tonight. So, what is the actual value of godly wisdom? What is the actual value of godly wisdom? Well, here's the thing, I, I can tell you, um, and I can, I can plead with you, but here, here's the thing, for some reason, our judgments get clouded, and our judgments get deceived, and so for some reason, we start to go, well, that's more valuable, this is valuable, but it may be ninth down on the list, and so because we're really just rockheads, God says, let me just tell you the value of wisdom. And I think that's pretty wild. Evidently, we can't figure out the value of wisdom because we, we would chase it. Uh, but, but because we're rockheads, he says, well, let me just go ahead and I'll tell you the value of wisdom. Many places in Scripture, God tells us his wisdom is better than your reputation. His wisdom is better than your wealth or all of your material possessions. I'm going to read Proverbs chapter 3, 13 through 24. Listen to this. How blessed is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gains understanding. Now listen, God is telling us this. Blessed is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gains understanding. For her profit is better than silver, of silver, and her gain better than fine gold. She is more precious than jewels, and nothing you desire compares with her. Talking about wisdom. Long life is in her right hand, and in her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are pleasant ways, not trouble, not chaos, and her paths are peace, not strife, not division. She is a tree of life to those who take hold of her, and happy are all who hold her fast. The Lord, by wisdom, founded the earth. By understanding, 
he established the heavens. By his knowledge, the deeps were broken up and the skies drip with dew. My son, let them not vanish from your sight. Keep sound wisdom and discretion. So they will be life to your soul and adornment to your neck. Then you will walk in your way securely and your foot will not stumble. When you lie down, you'll not be afraid. And when you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. There's a whole lot there, a lot of things we could look at. Um, What we see is this. In God's wisdom, he makes our path straight. He removes trouble from our path that we would run into if we're not operating according to God's wisdom. He says in his wisdom we are blessed. He says it's better than wealth, better than silver, better than gold. It will extend your life if you live according to God's wisdom. That's what it says. All right, so here's the question for us tonight. For you tonight, what value do you place on God's wisdom? What value do you place on God's wisdom? Now, Here's the thing, I can almost guarantee you all of us near go, a lot. Didn't you, didn't you already think that? A lot. I, 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 it's a lot. Well, then here's the second question. Well, how aggressively are you pursuing it? How aggressively are you pursuing God's wisdom? Because your answer to the first question, how much you value it, is reflected in the, in the truth of how aggressively are you pursuing God's wisdom. Are you getting up early? Are you reading your Bible at, at lunch? Are you trying to to come and hear God's wisdom on Sunday nights when we go through the study in Proverbs? How aggressively are you pursuing it? And that'll tell you how much value you give to it. Here's just another question to think about. Why do we not place a higher value on God's wisdom? Maybe life isn't that bad. Maybe I think I can pull it off myself. Maybe I've got an ace in the hole somewhere and I'll, I'll lean on that. Why do we not place a higher value on God's wisdom? All right, here's another question. What are some things that we value more than God's wisdom? And I think reputation. I don't want to be known as a kook, um, whatever. Maybe it's money. Maybe it's wealth. Um, I I was thinking about this this afternoon. What are some things you value more than, than God's wisdom? Maybe you value putting in no effort. And so you're like, I'd rather do nothing than have God's wisdom. And I like just staring at the TV, and I like just staring at the wall. And I hadn't thought about anything real in six days, and I like that. And so maybe you like doing nothing more than you like having God's wisdom. And then my last question before we move out of this section is this. So why do you think God tells us of wisdom's worth? And I thought, I just wrote this, and it's a very profound answer. It's this, because we're dumb. Because we're dumb. God has to tell us what his wisdom is worth because we're dumb. We'll start thinking something else is better. We'll start thinking, well, I got an answer somewhere else. We'll say, I like just staring and doing nothing better than than trying to acquire God's wisdom. And so God has to tell us, this is more valuable than silver. I don't know if we believe him. It's more valuable than gold. I don't know if we believe him. Best thing you can do. Evidently, we don't believe him. I think about this. A whole bunch of us, we go through life and we get in a corkscrew of trouble. You ever done that? Don't raise your hand. We get in a mess of trouble and and you ever stop and go, how in the heck did I ever get here? How did I get here? I don't know how I got here. 
God's word in that section of verses says he can lead us away from pitfalls. He can warn us of coming dangers. Uh, he can save us from heartbreak. You ever make decisions that just break your heart? You go back and go, man, I wish I had that one over to do over again. Because of that, God says, my wisdom is, is valuable, more valuable than anything you can pursue. And he tells us that. All right, so that's the value of wisdom. Here's the next part. And I, I guess we're so hard-headed, he has, he has to remind us of this. The next part is the grace of wisdom. We have the value of wisdom, but I think sometimes we forget the grace of wisdom. I think most of the time, many of us are missing the true blessing of gaining and holding God's wisdom. And, and, and I think we just go, well, whatever. If I get it, fine. If I don't, I'll get it later. And we're missing the blessing of gaining and holding God's wisdom. Maybe, and I'm sitting here thinking about this lesson. Maybe as I'm starting into this lesson, you're sitting there going, oh, good, another area I'm failing at. Oh, good, some more things to do. I'm not doing enough. I need to get to church more. I need to read my Bible more. Good. And some other things I need to work on. And for some reason, we start to resent God giving us his wisdom. Well, I'm busy and I'm this and I'm that and I'm trying these things and I got enough stuff and I'm already failing at enough stuff. And we actually forget that it is a gracious thing that God gives us his wisdom. He's not mad at you. He's not putting a burden on you. He's not trying to crush you under more stuff. This is actually the best way to live. I don't know how many weeks in a row I'm going to say that. It's actually the best way to live. Now listen, God is actually good and he's actually kind and he's actually gracious and he actually loves us and he actually has the best thing for us. That's who he is. That's inherent to his character. And because that's his character, he gives us his wisdom. Because he is good, he gives us his wisdom. Because he actually is kind, he gives us his wisdom. Because he actually loves you, he gives you his wisdom. He wants us to avoid turmoil and heartache. Um, he's not saying, here's more religious practice. Here's more duties that you need to keep up. He's actually saying, this is the best way to live. Be sure of that. Hear that again tonight. This is the best way to live. God's word is the best way to, to structure your home, handle your finances, treat your neighbor, work at your job, uh, the attitude to hold in your heart, this is actually the best way to live. Here's, here's what I've noticed. Now, I'm talking about me and, and probably you too. Here's what we do. We put our faith in Christ. We're thankful to be saved, glad to be going to heaven, looking forward to that, but then we just go back to living. And, and we, just start, we just start working through days, and we do our own thing. I'm going to do my own thing. God might be pleased with that. That's good. He might not be pleased with that. Not that, not that big a deal. I'm not going to worry about it. And we do our own thing. And we use our own logic. And when our logic runs out, we start to use the world's logic. We let some expert tell us. And we're just living. And we may click through our 20s. And we may click through our 30s. And, and we may get into our 40s. And we're just living. And then there's, there's usually something that crashes. 
And, and it may be the, the effect of your terrible decisions, my terrible decisions. It may be the impact of somebody else's sin. It may be the impact of, of all of our sin. But something crashes, something wrecks. Uh, we, we made a bad decision, made a bad choice, and we end up in trouble. And, and, I, and I'm, not, I'm not upset about it, but my office has a lot of folks that come in and say, I got this problem, this problem, this problem, this problem, this problem. Can we pray and I need to get that fixed and get back to work by one? And, and they, want, they want some answer for, for you're going, this is a seven-year screw-up right here. You're not getting out of this in, in 22 minutes. And, and so they, and God, if you'll do this, I'll quit this and I'll quit that and I'll do this and I'll be this. And they tell me stuff. And, and then God is gracious and he does love us. And if we'll go back to him and we'll repent, and if we'll start walking according to his word, it will get better. And then I've watched it a hundred times. We go, whoo, glad that's over. And guess what we do? We go back to living. And now it's back to my logic, and it's back to my way, and it's back to my understanding. If it pleases God, that's good. If it doesn't, that's fine too. And we start moving to the next crash. And I don't know why we don't learn. I don't know why we haven't figured it out. It's crash to crash to crash. God is saying, you don't have to crash into every wall. You don't have to burn every bridge. You don't have to, you don't have, to have such a hard head. I'm telling you, this is the best way to live. It is a gracious, gracious thing that we have God's wisdom. What an awesome thing. It is a gracious thing that we have God's wisdom. Let me ask you some questions. And you can just think to yourself, this is just to consider. Is there an area where God's way is not best? Is there an area where God's way is not best? Let me ask you another one. And I, I think sometimes we, we believe the, the wrong answer on this one. Is there an area of life, of your life, that God's not concerned with? Is there an area of your life God's not concerned with? And I think, well, he wants me to go to heaven, and he, he wants me not to mess up his name too bad, but he doesn't care about overspending. He doesn't care about wasting time. He doesn't care about what I take into my brain when I watch TV or listen to music. Is, is he really concerned about all the areas of my life? That's a question. Is there an area of your life God's not concerned with? Next question is this. Do you believe God wants the best for you? Do you believe God wants the best for you? Does he really want the best for you? Really want the best for you? Proverbs 4, 8 and 9 again. Prize her and she will exalt you. She will honor you. Talking about wisdom if you embrace her. She will place on your head a garland of grace. She will present you with a crown of beauty. It is a gracious good thing that God gives us his wisdom. We ought not fight against it. We ought not rail against it. We ought not say this is a duty. I'm not going to get under. It is the best thing, best way to live. All right, the last section we're going to look at tonight on your worksheet, to grow in wisdom, to grow in wisdom. I'm going to read Proverbs 3, 13 through 18 again. Listen to these. How blessed is the man who finds wisdom, and the man who gains understanding. He's out looking, he's gaining. 
For her profit is better than the profit of silver, and her gain better than fine gold. Talking about wisdom. She is more precious than jewels, and nothing you desire compares with her. It's the most valuable thing. Long life is in her right hand, and in her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are pleasant ways. Think about the garbage and the trouble of life. Living according to God's wisdom, it says, brings pleasant ways. And all her paths are peace. How much craziness do we have in our life that you go, man, I'd like about four days of just peace. In godly wisdom, there is peace. She is a tree of life to those, listen to this, who take hold of her. And happy are all who hold her fast. Take hold of wisdom. Hold fast to wisdom. Proverbs 4, 7, one more verse. The beginning of wisdom. When, when do you start getting wise? When have you started being wise? Is acquire wisdom. Another translation says, the beginning of wisdom is get wisdom. And with all you're acquiring, with all you're getting, get understanding. You're going to get a lot of stuff and all you're getting, get understanding. All right, so the question is this. So how do we get godly wisdom? All right, this is where we're going to become very practical tonight. Where do we get godly wisdom? Now, I thought about some ways that we gain godly wisdom. And I'll talk about a couple of those for just a second. All right, so you're here tonight and you go, okay, God's wisdom is valuable. Okay, God's wisdom is the best way to live. Okay, it's gracious to me. What do I do? How do I grow, gain godly wisdom? First thing is this. One of the ways that we gain godly wisdom is by walking in obedience and seeing God's word confirmed. Which means this, when you say, okay, I'm going to do what God has said to do, and you start walking, I'm gonna, in this area, I'm going to do what God has said to do, and you walk, and it pays off, and you walk, and there is a blessing, and you walk, and it's better than doing it the other way. That is one of the ways that we gain godly wisdom, walking in obedience. And you know, you look back and go, why did I fight against that? Why did that take so long for me to figure that out? One of the ways we gain godly wisdom is to walk in obedience and then watch it bear fruit as we walk in obedience. Another way we, we gain godly wisdom, and I'm, I'm sorry, but this is true, we also gain godly wisdom when we fail and suffer the consequence for not operating in godly wisdom. And so you try to do this way outside of God's will, and you crash and you burn and it hurts, if, if you've got any sense, you go, you know what, I'm not doing that again. It's, it's the whole deal where you put your hand on a hot stove. You know what, I'm not doing that again. I've learned my lesson. You're crazy to go back and put your hand on the hot stove. One of the ways we, we gain godly wisdom is to mess up and learn from the mess up. Here's another way we gain godly wisdom, and I, I think it's an overlooked thing and, and it's a big deal we ought to think about. One of the ways we gain godly wisdom is to associate and learn from other believers who possess godly wisdom. And I, I could name you five or six uh, folks that, that when they do something, they're going to try to operate in godly wisdom. And it is a good thing for me to watch them, to see them, to listen to them. And so one of the ways you, you gain godly wisdom is to surround your stu yourself with people that have godly wisdom. 
Now, listen, the flip of that is also true. If you run around with knuckleheads and clowns and goofballs, uh, you're going you're gonna to do some nutty stuff. You're going to see some nutty things. We do well to say, you know what, I'm going to associate with folks that walk and try to grow in godly wisdom. Who you're with matters. I, I don't know that we, we think, go to church, follow your Bible, you're okay. Listen, who you run with is a big deal. There, there's wisdom to be found in that way. All right, now that's all of that, but here's, here's what I'm going to tell you. However, and, I, and hopefully you'll know I'm going to say this, the primary way that we grow in godly wisdom is time spent in the Word of God. And if those other things are good, they're about 5% of the good. 95% of the way that we grow in godly wisdom is time spent in the Word of God. We invest time in the Word of God. There are not shortcuts to that. I think some folks say, well, I went to church for a while. I got saved and baptized. I don't know why I'm still doing these things. You have to spend time in the Word of God. There are not shortcuts. In fact, I will tell you this. The amount that a person, time, the amount of time a person spends in the Word of God will be directly proportionate to the amount of godly wisdom they possess. And that's going to hold true. If they're in God's Word and they're reading God's Word and they're hearing God's Word, the amount of godly wisdom that they have, I promise you, will correlate to the amount of time they're spending in the Word of God. All right, so what does that mean? Greatest way you go in godly wisdom is to spend time in God's Word. Here's what that means. You have to read it. So, hey, I don't understand parts of this. You have to read it. You have to study it. Well, what does this mean? What is this word saying? What does this verse mean for me today? You have to hear it in a sermon, on on the radio. uh, Folks, you can turn on a deal and it'll play the Bible for you now. Um, This Bible study, other Bible studies, study it, hear it, um, memorize it. It, Our brains can memorize a lot of stuff and we ought to spend time memorizing the word of God. All of these things. Those are the ways that we bring in, take in the Word of God. All right, let me ask you some questions to think about, and then I'm going to talk about a couple of practical things. If we value wisdom, why do we have a hard time staying committed to this? If we actually know, and I think we do know this is the best way to live, why is it so hard to, to commit to this and be consistent in this? You you have to think of your own answer. Maybe we're just attracted to other things. Maybe we're just busy. Maybe we're lazy. Um, Maybe it's not flashy enough. Um, If we value wisdom, why do we have such a hard time staying committed? All right, here's another one. We've already kind of talked about it. For you personally, do you think the value you give God's word is reflected in the amount of time you're spending in God's word? Or do you say, I value it more than that. I just don't spend any time in it. Do you, I'm talking about you, I'm talking about me. Do you think the value you give to God's word is reflecting the time you're spending in God's word? Here's a question. Have you ever regretted time spent in God's word? Have you ever said, I shouldn't have read the Bible today. I can't believe I wasted my lunch hour doing that. You ever said, well, that, I don't know, I already knew that. Everybody knows those verses. Have you ever regretted time spent in God's word? I'm gonna tell you this. I don't know anybody with any sense that ever says, 
I wish I hadn't have done that. I wish I hadn't have been in church today. I wish I hadn't come to the Bible study tonight. I wish I hadn't listened on the radio. I wish I hadn't have read this, this scripture tonight. And then the last part is this. What practical ways have you found to keep this priority? What practical ways have you found to keep this priority? Let me tell you a couple things, and then I'm going to tell you how, how something started years ago. First thing is this. If you're going to actually do this, you have to have a plan to do it. It doesn't just happen. You don't just go, what's well, Thursday? I read two chapters. Well, were you planning on it? No, I just did it. It's not going to happen. You have to say, this is when I'm going to do it. This is how I'm going to do it. This is how long I'm going to do it. This is how I'm going to do it. You're going to have to have a plan. If this is important, I'm going to have to have a plan. You have to have a plan. The second part is it has to become part of your daily routine. Um, it has to be, this is what I do every day. This is what I do on these days. It has to become habitual. It has to become part of your routine. I can promise you this. As you endure in that, as you persevere in that, you'll start to feel weird when you do miss it. And I, I can think, man, I'm, I'm reading the Bible, I'm reading the Bible, I'm reading the Bible, and we go on a, a two-day vacation on the weekend, and we don't. And I go, something wasn't right. Something, I, I can't do that anymore. You have to have a daily routine. Here's another one, and this is the hard one, I think, and it ties into your plan, it ties into your daily routine, and that is be consistent. You have to be consistent. As fast as you stop, you start backing up. And I don't care how long you've been in the Bible, and I don't care how great your walk has been, I don't care how great how long you've been in church, as fast as you stop, you start backing up. And so, man, man those two years I was reading my Bible, and I was studying Bible, the Bible, and I was listening and going to church, and as fast as you stop, you'll start backing up. Let me give you an example of this. This past December, December's a great month because we're going to eat all month long. And especially if, you, if you're around the church, we got this party and we got the kids' party and we got the, this party and then we got my family's coming to town on this weekend and their family's coming to town on that weekend. And then we, we have this on Christmas Day and I'm going to have a brisket on this day. And then on the 31st, I'm going to do this. And here's the deal. You can eat like a gluttonous pig all December. I mean, every time you turn around. You know what's good at Christmas? Cinnamon rolls. You know what's good at breakfast? Waffles. You know what's good also? Turkey. You know what's better than that? Ribeyes. And you can go crazy all December. But then let me challenge you to do this. Go crazy. Get gravy on all that stuff. Then do this. Don't eat in January. None. You're, you make a resolution. I'm not eating in January. Man, I've been a nut in December. You know what we're going to do in February? We're going to bury you. You're going to be dead. Man, they were fat coming out of Christmas. They were fat in December. They ate so much. I never seen anybody eat so many ribeyes. Don't eat for January. We'll bury you in February. It's the same way with God's word. It has to be consistent. It has to be put in. It has to be a, a daily intake, and that is the only way we grow. All right, let me tell you this. This is a goofy story. It's kind of embarrassing. I grew up in church. We had lots of Bibles. I knew nine verses. I learned them at vacation Bible school. I could tell you those verses. Couldn't tell you anymore. Couldn't tell you the context of those verses. I had a Bible in my pickup. 
because I went to church, and when you go to church, you got to take a Bible. And so I could, I could get in my pickup, my Ford pickup, and I could put my Bible there, and I could go all through the week, and I could, I could plow, and I could bail hay, and I could do these things. And then guess what was lucky? It was lucky on Sunday. There's my Bible, and there it still is. And I take it in, and I've got it in church. Here's the thing. One day, God called me to be a preacher. And I accidentally said, I don't know the Bible. I don't know the Bible. And I, I, this is a true story. I went to seminary because I mean, if you're going to say this is what the Bible says, you better know what the Bible says. And so I thought, well, I'll just go there. Maybe they'll tell me. And so I go there, and the first day, this guy, the professor, is joking, and he said, that would be as simple as knowing the books of the Bible. And there's a, there's a girl there that she was going into some kind of ministry, and they said, that would be as simple as knowing the books of the Bible. So, Katie, tell us the books of the Bible. And she gets about halfway through and pauses. And I was going, oh, no. <laughs> if he asks me, I'm dead meat. And I, I can sing that song, but it, it has to, I have to sing it. And I'm, that's going to be weird if I have to sing it in here. And so I go home and I go, I know what will happen tomorrow. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. I went home and memorized the book of the Bible. I, that's how little I knew. I came home, I was working in the oil field, and, and didn't know Sikkim. And I got a Bible, because I don't want to carry my good one around. I got a Bible at Walmart, and it was like $9. And I said, I'm going to read a chapter in the Old Testament every time I get to this point. I drove 36 miles checking wells. When I get to this well, I'm going to stop and read a chapter in the Old Testament. And then when I get to this point, I'm going to stop and I'm going to read a chapter in the New Testament. When I get to this point, I'm going to stop and read a chapter that matches the day for, Psalm, for Proverbs. And then I'm going to read a chapter in Psalms. And so here I've got this whole work day, but at four different places in the day, and if I get oil on this Bible, if I mess up this Bible, that's fine. I only cost $9. And maybe I did that for three and a half years. Maybe the greatest growth of my life wasn't sitting in a church. It was in my pickup with this dirty Bible. And I'm going to tell you this. That's what God will bless, and that's what God will grow but you have to make a plan, and you have to be consistent. And I, I go through the Proverbs. Those start to stick in my head, and I, I can want to fly off the handle, and I can think, uh, answer a fool not according to your, his folly, lest you be a fool yourself, and words start sticking in my head, and it starts to become part of who you are. Now, I can tell you this. As fast as you stop, you're, you're going to starve out. It has to be consistent. It has to be daily. God will bless that. Listen to me. It's actually true. It's the best thing you can do. The best thing you can do is time spent in God's Word. Anybody want to add anything to that? <laughs> Amen. Amen. I always wait for somebody to disagree. <laughs> All right, I'm going to ask if you'll stand. I'll leave some word of prayer and we'll be dismissed. Glad y'all are here tonight. Let's pray. Dear Father, we come. We are thankful for you. We're thankful for our Savior. We're thankful for the forgiveness of sin. We're thankful for your grace. And we're thankful for your wisdom. And I, Lord, we come and we tell you we are sorry for where we mess up. 
And where we sin and where we ignore your wisdom, where we operate not according to your wisdom, but we're also thankful that you're gracious. And if we'll confess our sin, you'll forgive us and you'll restore us and you'll renew us. And, and so we're thankful for that, but we're also thankful that you give us the grace not only to be forgiven of sin, but to avoid sin and to avoid pitfalls and to avoid trouble. And so I pray we'd be a people tonight, those that are in this room, those that are listening in some other way, we'd be a people committed to the word of God. And maybe we need to go get a $9 Bible and commit to reading it, whatever you lead, Lord, help us be faithful, help us be obedient, and then we know according to what you've said, it'll bear fruit. I pray that our kids are learning the same tonight, that our youth are learning the same tonight. We praise you for your truth, and I pray in Jesus' name, amen. You're dismissed. Glad you were here.